This is the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast with Andy Hill. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thank you for being here today. On the first Monday of every month, I like to shake things up a bit. The first thing we're going to do today is answer a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community. Second, we're highlighting our Money Master of the Week. And just for the people who have not heard about the Money Master of the Week segment, this is for someone who has had a recent financial win, and we want to honor that victory right here on this show. And lastly, we've got our FinTech Spotlight segment. This is a quick interview with Birch Finance talking to us about how their free app can maximize your credit card rewards. I like it. (laughs) I essentially like finding companies that are doing some cool, helpful, money-related things and then sharing them with you guys. Without further delay, let's get rocking on this week's show. Our question of the month comes in from Ryan from Pittsburgh. Hey, Andy. I've been listening to your show for the past few months, and I like the way that you and Nicole partner together to meet your financial goals. It's inspiring me and my wife, who is also coincidentally named Nicole, (laughs) to do the same. Uh, We've been following the Dave Ramsey baby steps and recently paid off our last debt. When we got focused, it really only took us about two years to pay off our $60,000 in debt. That's awesome. Uh, We both had car loans, student loans, and a little bit of credit card debt. Now that we're debt-free, we want to start saving up for retirement. We've been delaying our retirement investing based on Dave's advice to hold off until you're debt-free. I feel like we're way behind, though, he says. We're both 30, and we barely have anything in our retirement accounts. Early last year, we were able to get our student loans down to around 3.5% with SoFi. I was happy with the results of the refi, but at the same time, the markets were skyrocketing. It felt frustrating that I wasn't in it. I was saving 3.5% while the market was doing 18%. Also, my company matches 20% of my 401k deposits. I felt like I was on the sidelines during a huge game that I wasn't able to play in. (laughs) Anyway, back to my question for you. Nicole and I are ready to start investing for our retirement. We're planning on meeting with a smart vester pro through Dave Ramsey's site to guide us in the right direction. Since this is brand new for us, do you have any suggestions on how to start? Have you used a broker before? Any lessons learned, question mark? By the way, our household income is around $150,000. Awesome. We have no kids, but we're thinking about it in the next couple of years. We live outside of Pittsburgh, and we have $30,000 in an emergency fund. I'm not sure you need this information, but here it is anyway. (laughs) I do. Thank you very much, Ryan. Any insights you can share would be great. Keep up the great work on the show. Ryan. Thanks for writing in, Ryan. $60,000 in two years. That's an incredible feat. Congratulations, man. Very cool. You and Nicole. Uh, By the way, uh, another incredible move on your part, uh, marrying a woman named Nicole. That was definitely one of the 
best investments I've made personally. So congrats there as well as paying off the 60K. (laughs) Before we get into your question, I, I wanted to comment about your thoughts about stopping your retirement investing during the debt payoff process. This is actually a huge concern or or a comment that I get quite a bit. I I coach the Financial Peace University at my local church, and I do hear this a lot about the baby steps. Um, It's a frustration that people have. To give you non-Dave Ramsey folks a bit of background, Dave Ramsey's advice is to stop all retirement investing uh, or not begin it for that matter until you're consumer debt free. So that's credit cards, student loans, medical debt, personal loans, things like that. In his eyes, all of your non-mortgage debt should be gone before you invest for retirement. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to an article where he outlines his thoughts on this. I I understand the rationale with his advice for sure. A, A lot of people dip into their retirement savings during emergencies when they're in debt or don't have the necessary cash available through something like an emergency fund. I was looking at an article on CNBC from 2016, and it said one in 10 workers has taken a hardship withdrawal from their retirement for reasons ranging from medical expenses to home repairs to covering home payments like rent or mortgage. So in this case, Uh, These people needed fast money right away, and their only option was to pull it from their retirement, and this causes massive losses. So, for for example, if you're using out of your 401k, early withdrawal, 10% penalty, and also you got to consider the taxes since the initial deposit for your 401k was pre-tax. So, depending on your tax bracket, you could be looking at like a 40% hit on your money. Ouch. Um, but it, this is, so this is the reason that Dave gives that advice. He wants to avoid this massive loss or he wants to avoid you utilizing retirement as your, you know, your emergency fund. So with no debt and a healthy emergency fund, you're less likely to pull from your retirement when you really need the money. But in your case, I actually don't agree with the baby step process. You have a unique scenario based on your income and your where you guys are in this process and the fact that your company matches your money. I, I really feel like you need to be taking advantage of that free money. 20%, that's a great match. If you were able to max out your contributions uh, this year, um, that would be $3,700 of free money, free money. <laughs> you got to go for the free money. But I, I, I think Dave's policy here is, is a tough one. Um, and I, I'm not really sure it's a, it's a one size fits all. I think he speaks to a mass market. Um, all in all, it's good advice for most, but not for your specific situation, Ryan. So Anyway, this is just sort of a mini rant, side a side rant before we get into the heart of your question. It's all water under the bridge, you know, now. Um, but um, I thought I wanted to just go through this a little bit to, you know, share that uh, share that piece of advice with you. But obviously, the people who are listening mostly that um, uh, leaving free money on the table, especially when you get that 401k match, I, I don't agree with. But lots of other things that Mr. Ramsey does I do agree with. So let's, anyway, let's jump back into your question. Uh, what should you do before meeting with this new financial advisor? 
Uh, with this, I have some personal experience as well as speaking to uh, some really smart folks over the past year and a half in the financial advising industry or former advisors or even people who've just built wealth for themselves personally. So I've got five pieces of advice that I want to share with you based on that experience. Number one is to educate yourself before meeting with an advisor. I know the point of working with a financial advisor is to have them help you with all of the difficult and complex decisions involved with retirement planning. But if you're not careful, that could potentially cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. That might sound like hyperbole right there, but I'm being super serious. The advisor fees associated with a 30 to 40 year relationship can really add up. 1% here, 2% there. It can actually eat up a big chunk of your retirement earnings. I want to recommend two books to anyone before they meet with a financial advisor. The first one is called Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins. You guys probably know Tony Robbins from his life coach background, but he actually dove into this really interesting book where he interviewed billionaires, millionaires and billionaires about how they earned wealth and really broke it down. And one of the major pieces of that book was about how the financial advising industry works and how much money you're truly paying by creating a partnership there. So anyway, first one, Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins. Highly recommend it. The second one is called The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. This book breaks down the complexities of investing and essentially makes it a little more simple for you. And it also highlights the power of index funds, which um, a lot of the people I've spoken to over the past year and a half, a lot of the self-made millionaires, personal finance experts, people who've created financial independence for themselves, they are using these index funds and saving themselves a ton of money. Anyway, both great reads, Money Master the Game and The Simple Path to Wealth. But uh, after reading these two books, you may want to do the investing yourself. Number two, find a fiduciary. It's the F word. It's a good F word. <laughs> Let's say after reading those books, or if you didn't want to read the books, that's, that's okay. You could not read them. You're still very much interested in having an advisor help you. That's cool. I get it. I'll relent. Not everyone wants to manage their retirement investing. Uh, so I'll back off there. <laughs> if you're going to go with the advisor, I'd suggest looking for a fee-only certified financial planner, CFP, that is a fiduciary. Okay, I said a lot of things there. Fee-only, certified financial planner, fiduciary. Let me break those down. Fee-only, that means the advisor will not earn a commission from selling you products. Certified financial planner, a CFP. This is a professional certification that is essentially the standard of excellence in the financial advising world. And the last one, fiduciary. This is my favorite one. This is someone who is morally, ethically, and legally bound. They have a duty to act in your best interest. Not their best interest or their wallet's best interest. Your best interest. This is the type of person I'd want in my corner fighting for me, Ryan. Now, I'm not positive that the SmartVestor Pro in your area will fit this criteria, but if they do, that's awesome. If not, I'd look elsewhere. 
XY Planning Network is a great option to consider. I'll put that link in the show notes for everybody to consider. Number three, FINRA Broker Check. Once you find someone that you're excited about, whether it's the SmartFester or XY Planning Network or your Uncle Jim or some dude you found on Craigslist, go to the FINRA Broker Check website. And I'll put, again, I'll put that resource in the, in the show notes. But this resource will tell you some important things about your new potential advisor, this friend you're going to have for 30 to 40 years. It's going to share their education and credentials, where they've worked, and any complaints or disclosures they have on their record. If you're going to put a million dollars in someone's hands, you want to know as much about them as possible. A million of your dollars, that is. Not just a million dollars, your hard-earned money. Let's make sure we know who these folks are. And I say at least a million dollars, Ryan, because you're 30 years old and you've got no debt now and you make 150K per year. So you and your wife, Nicole, will be millionaires in no time. I guarantee it. (laughs) So number four, ask lots of questions. Once you've narrowed down your candidate, Ryan, ask that person a lot of questions over the phone or on email before you meet them in person. Here's, Here's five that come to mind right away for me. Number one, if they did have a disclosure, an open complaint on that FINRA broker check thing I told you about, ask them, can you please explain this disclosure that you have on FINRA broker check here? And you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great first question to start with. Number two, are you a fiduciary? If not, why, why not? Number three, can you explain your fee structure to me? You've got to understand these costs, Ryan. This is the most important part. Let them know if you don't understand the cost or fee structure of something, anything in life, you don't pay for it. So that's just Ryan's policy. So you need to understand it before you move forward. And they're, they're going to do a good job explaining it when you, when you break it down like that. Number four, what does our relationship look like after our initial deposits? What type of interactions are we going to have going forward? So this, this kind of gets to that communication piece. And number five, how do you typically communicate with your clients? So this is kind of four and five are together here, but how do you typically communicate with your clients? In person, over the phone, email, text, Snapchat, you want to understand what this relationship looks like. Because again, you're going to be partnering with this person for quite a while and you want to make sure that you're on the same page. Based on all this information, Ryan, you should get a good sense of how the relationship will go going forward. And number five, the last step here, meet in person. And if you're working with a virtual advisor, at least do a video chat, at least for me, I feel like when you're able to see somebody's face, get their personal reactions to these important questions, it just gives me a... um, a more personal feeling about who I'm working with. And when you're talking and you're kind of having those conversations, what type of feelings are you getting, Ryan? I mean, are you getting feelings like this person is out for your best interest? Are you getting feelings like they're trying to help you to learn or are they just trying to convince you to buy something you don't need? Make sure you're feeling warm and cozy before you move forward. This is also a good time to discuss your specific situation and how they may help you. Some advisors offer a complimentary plan to show you how they would work as your partner. So when that plan comes together, make sure you understand how much it's going to cost you. I know we already talked about this, but I want you to 
really understand the costs associated with it monthly, annually, uh, with each of the funds that they purchased, how do the expense ratios of the funds factor in, get a good understanding of all of the costs that are associated with it. You can probably tell from my tone, Ryan, that I've uh, been burned in the past in this situation. Yes, I didn't ask enough of these questions when I got hooked up with somebody originally. And, um, that person was more interested in selling me products than helping me and my family win in retirement and college planning for our kids. So in short, we lost some money when we really shouldn't have from some poor advice. But honestly, I blame myself for not asking the right questions, not educating myself beforehand, but never again, never again, Ryan, And that's why I wanted to answer this question for you today, too, as passionately as I am. Because I feel like from bad experiences, sometimes great things can come out of it. That financial loss for me was one that jolted me into action. I wanted to learn as much as possible following that so it would never happen again. Now, we are on a much better track for a retirement savings path. I am definitely not an expert when it comes to retirement planning or which funds to pick, but I do like simplicity. And sometimes the quote-unquote experts, they can drive you in the wrong direction. They can make things seem a little bit more complicated than they really need to be and unsimplify it. So rant over. So let's recap. (laughs) Number one, educate yourself before meeting with an advisor. Number two, find a fiduciary, somebody who wants to work in your best interest. Number three, use that FINRA broker check to get a little background on your potential partner. Number four, ask lots and lots of questions over the phone or on email. And then number five, meet them in person to make sure you're getting that warm and fuzzy feeling because this is somebody you're going to have to work with for the next 30 to 40 years, Ryan. (laughs) I hope that answers your question, Ryan. I wish you and Nicole the best of luck with your retirement planning. And please let me know how your search goes for this uh, ideal partner. It's time to announce the Money Master of the Week. Jessica from Michigan connected with me about a recent debt-crushing win. She paid off $70,000 of student debt in 26 months and is now living her new debt-free life. When I asked her how she did it, here's what she had to say. That's really the million dollar question. Ever ever since I started this or, you know, announced to people that I paid off all this debt, it's what everyone keeps asking me. But, you know, really there's there's no top secret way to getting out of debt. It's more about making a conscious decision every day to save money. So, you know, that's making your morning coffee at home rather than spending six dollars on a Starbucks latte or packing your lunch every day or avoiding places that you know will tempt you to spend money. Like for me, that's online shopping. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, unsubscribing from all those emails and really just staying disciplined with yourself and learning to say no. And along with that, um, it's really creating a detailed budget every month that outlines, you know, every little expense that you're going to have and sticking to that budget. Um, And if you do have larger upcoming expenses, um, really planning ahead for those. Like, 
for example, um, this Christmas, I actually sold a bunch of clothes and shoes that I had that I no longer needed to cover um, my Christmas budget for all of my friends and family, just so I didn't have to take that extra money out of my regular monthly budget. So it's planning ahead. It's getting a little creative with the ways to make money on the side as well. Jessica also shared that one of the secrets to her success was surrounding herself with positive people and positive messages. It's really critical to immerse yourself with good influences. So like, for example, when I would get ready for work in the mornings, I would listen to Dave Ramsey podcasts or watch YouTube videos of people, you know, explaining how they paid off all their debt. So, you know, it's, it's watching things like that. It's listening to things like that, you know, every morning or every day on your commute to work, just to get yourself um, motivated and hyped up for the day. Um, And then you can also join, you know, there's a lot of financial groups that are on Facebook that um, I'm a part of. And it's really great to just have those accountability partners and have all those people that are paying debt down like you are. Now that she's debt free, she's not stopping there. She's planning on growing her savings and buying a nice, reliable car for cash. I asked her what advice she'd have for others who are diving into their mountain of debt like she did. And here's what she had to say. No matter how much debt you have. So whether it's $10,000 or $100,000, you really can do it because I think so many people focus on the number itself rather than just making those small steps to save money. Um, and really just, you know, taking pain off debt one day at a time, you can absolutely achieve your goals by taking it one day at a time rather than looking at a giant pile of debt sitting in front of you. Jessica, thank you so much for this positive message of inspiration and congratulations for being our Money Master of the Week. Do you have a recent financial victory that you want to share on this show? I would love to hear it, everybody. Please email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. For the last portion of the show today, I want to share an interview I did with the CEO of Birch Finance, Alex Cohen. He and I caught up at a financial conference called FinCon this past fall. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Birch Finance has a helpful app that helps maximize your credit card rewards. Since Nicole and I jumped back into the world of credit card rewards last year after going without them for five years because I was nuts... (laughs) Now I'm all about maximizing the benefits that come with them. Let's dive into this chat with Alex Cohen from Birch Finance. Oh, and before we get in there, uh, if you remember from past episodes about my time at FinCon 17, I lost my voice a little bit. Uh, So you're going to hear a whole new Andy voice coming up. (laughs) So here's the interview with Horse Andy and Alex Cohen from Birch Finance. How's it going, Alex? It's going great. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Well, I uh, had the chance to see you guys uh, accept a big reward here last night at the FinCon 17 Expo here in Dallas, Texas. You guys were the recipients of the FinTech Award. So congratulations for you guys on that one. 
Yeah, thank you so much. We competed with uh, some other great startups, and ultimately everyone loves credit cards, so it worked out well. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We all love credit cards when it can provide you the benefits that, that come with credit cards. Obviously, it takes a lot of responsibility to own a credit card and you know carry that responsibility throughout life. Which, How are you guys taking advantage of credit cards right now for those that are responsible enough to have them? Yeah, definitely. So for those who don't carry credit card balances, re rewards can be super lucrative. Um, everything from you know 5% back in different quarters to now Uber's launching a card where it's 4% back on Dining Unlimited. Um, so it is really lucrative to hold credit cards, put your daily expenses on them, um, as long as you don't overspend to earn more rewards. Uh, so what we do is we track and manage... Um, all the different reward programs from about 175 different credit cards. Uh, and then when you download the app, it's called Birch. Uh, we actually help you manage, track, and optimize all those rewards to make sure you're getting the most value with every dollar that you spend. Excellent. How, how long has the company been around and how has the adoption been? Yeah, about two years. We have thousands of daily active users. Um, you know, we're adding new credit cards every single week. People really love the app. Our average mobile user uses it about three times a week. Wow. Yeah. I, I see this being very applicable to me and my wife in our situation. I Before we got on and started recording, I was telling you that we decided to go credit card free after going through Mr. Dave Ramsey's program. And, and uh, you know, there was lots of benefits of going through the program. Really enjoy his message. The ability to have credit cards and use them responsibly is something that my wife and I found out that we actually could do after a little while there. And, you know, uh, my wife, God bless her heart, uh, stuck with me through the whole process. And then over the past couple of years, we've gone back and realized, wow, you know, there's some really great benefits of, of utilizing credit cards and taking advantage of them. So, so walk, walk me through a typical interaction of somebody signing up uh, for Birch and uh, how they would go through the process. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can either sign up on the web at birchfinance.com or download the app on the App Store. We are building Android, so sorry to all the Android users <laughs> out there. Um, so what you would do is you'd sign up, you'd link your online bank accounts, just like if you're going to American Express or Chase.com. Uh, we send those credentials over to the bank, then we drop them off. So from a security perspective, we never store any usernames or passwords, any personal information. Um, then once you link those accounts, you tell us what cards they are. So it could be a Chase Freedom card, a Sapphire Reserve, a Discover It. I mean, we support around 175 credit cards now. Um, and then we get right to work. You tell us what you want to optimize for. So if you want to earn flight rewards or hotel rewards, it all depends on your specific situation. Uh, then once you're in the app, we show you where you could have better used your cards over the last year. So what your actual spending was, what you missed out on, and what you could be doing better based on the cards you already have. Um, if you only have one card you, or no cards at all even, we can actually look at your debit card spending, compare it to over 120 cards that are available on the market, or compare your spending on your reward cards to those cards as well. Recommend the best cards for your spending and whatever you want to optimize for. Excellent. So you talked about a typical situation for people then. So let's say my wife and I want to go somewhere next year on a family trip. You guys are then optimizing my current use of credit cards or making suggestions on how we can get there. Yeah, exactly. So you would tell us, hey, I want to earn flight rewards. I want to earn hotel rewards, which would probably be the two big expenses on that trip. Um, then if you're interested in applying for a new card, we'll actually show you all the cards and how much you could be earning if you put all your spending on those cards. Uh, we try not to over-include things like sign-on bonuses, but we try to look at it more from a holistic perspective of what's your spending, what's the value of this card past the first year when that sign-on bonus doesn't apply then. Got it. So it's more along the lines of the cards that you have and how you're currently using them on a day-to-day -day basis as opposed to the benefits of the, the sign-up rewards. 
Exactly. Yeah. So we, you know, we don't care if you don't apply for a new card. Um, you know, if you have multiple cards, we want to help you manage and figure out how to understand those first. And, and then, yeah, we'll show you, hey, for restaurants, use this card in your wallet. For groceries, use this card. Um, you know, if you already have the cards, we want to make sure that you're getting the most value. And then, of course, if you're interested in a new card, we show you the best recommendations. It makes a ton of sense because we get these cards and we hear, you know, cash back here or, or there's certain times uh, on, a, on a certain quarter where you can get more percentage. It's a lot to track when we do our everyday life. So it sounds like you guys are simplifying that. Is that is that a major benefit of the of the system? Yeah, that's that's one of the big ones. The second one is obviously uh, the big question is always how much is this point worth or how much is this mile worth and I don't know how to actually redeem them and so we, we write a lot of guides on hey here's how to use your Hilton points here's how to use your Marriott points whatever it is uh, but more importantly with every purchase we calculate a reward value so to give you a real example I have the Chase Sapphire preferred card iron tooth great one yeah, good card, great travel benefits. I'm not being paid by Chase to promote the card, I promise. I also have a city thank you in my wallet and some others. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, that's a good example. So I have a city thank you card and Chase Sapphire card. Um, on dining, I believe I earned two times on the Chase card and three times uh, on the city thank you card. Don't quote me, I don't know it off the top of my head. Good example. Uh, <laughs> uh, but those points are worth different amounts. So if I go make a purchase at um, you know, some restaurant and it's $50, I'm going to earn 100 Chase points or 150 City Thank You points. We then convert both of those to a dollar value based on how much they're worth for what you want to redeem for. Because it changes for a City Thank You point is worth a different amount on a flight in a hotel than it is on true cash back or gift cards. So depending on what you set your preferences for, we then calculate all those reward values and show you the real dollar value of what you're earning. So you are then about to go to a restaurant. How do you how do you indicate what you're about to spend? I mean, how do you, how do they how does the system know? Hey, I'm going to this restaurant right now, and here's what you should do. Yeah. So I'll show you. Unfortunately, obviously, we can't show you. That's okay. We're sorry, everybody. Uh, Audio show. So there's a little button in the middle that looks like a GPS compass, and it actually pulls your geolocation um, where you are in real time, and it shows you the stores nearby. So if we were going to eat at the kitchen table right now, which is next to the Sheridan, um, it would show me to use my Chase Sapphire card to earn two times the dollars or two points for every dollar I spend, versus these cards in my wallet. Because even though you see here I earn two city thank you points, they're only worth a cent each, versus these are worth one point three. Got it. So everybody, what we're looking at is essentially if you were to pull up your Google Maps and say, hey, what are the restaurants around me? It's kind of almost just like that, but in the Birch app saying, hey, here are the restaurants around you. You guys are looking to go eat. Here's how you could utilize the credit cards that are in your wallet right now to your maximum benefit. So it's as simple as all of the apps that we love to use um, right in your iPhone. So very cool. So we, you mentioned, we started to talk a little bit about this Maybe this group of people that has all of these points that are just accumulating and they don't know how to use them. Are you finding any of the uh, users of your new system just had these all banked up and just weren't using them properly? Yeah, to be honest, we don't know. We don't do a lot of stuff with the redemption side just yet. So we're more about earning, how to make sure you're getting the most value with every purchase. Uh, helping people redeem rewards is on our list of things to do. You know, we'd love to be able to automate the process for everyone from the point where you earn to when you go to redeem those for a trip. Um, so we don't actually know if people are hoarding their rewards. Uh, most likely they are. You know, it, all these airlines and hotels are having big problems right now where their balance sheets are actually becoming so large because people just aren't redeeming rewards. And they're worth a real dollar value. They have to report it. Um, and for example, I believe that a study came out with Bloomberg where 
American Airlines' value, like the total value of the points outstanding is larger than the market cap of their entire company. That is insane. I mean, these people with the million-mile travelers or 10-million-mile travelers, that totally makes a lot of sense. So uh, every company has to make money. Uh, we're very transparent here at FinCon. How does your business model work? Are people expected to pay a monthly fee for this service? How does it work? No, so it's totally free for consumers. We're also very transparent about how we make money. Um, you know, when you apply for a card, we may get a kickback from the credit card company. We keep our recommendations totally unbiased. So it is how much value will this card provide you? If we get paid for it, great. If we don't get paid for it, as long as you get the right card. Um, and we try to be unbiased with every single thing that we do. Uh, but yeah, credit card recommendations, it is a big business. You know, look at Credit Karma, who did half a billion dollars last year. Um, but we'd like to provide better recommendations and still get paid. We look at it as a win-win for everyone. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a, uh, a fan of Credit Karma. I also use Mint. So same sort of model, model there where you're getting the benefit of the free service, but then, you know, you get served up some opportunities and you can choose to use them or choose to not use them. So that seems to make a lot of sense and a lot of people like that type of model. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier about security. We just touched that a little bit. Obviously, in the fintech world, that's probably a big question you guys get a lot. We're sharing a lot of our data. We want to make sure we're protected. Equifax, oi, good God. Help people feel comfortable about using this system. Yeah, so we haven't had any sort of like pushback from people when it comes to signing up or linking their accounts. We really don't store anything that's tied to you as a person. So, you know, not to get too technical, but transactions are separate from you as a user in our app. Again, we don't store your bank usernames or passwords. We just verify with the bank the first time. Then we use a token to communicate. Um, everything lives under layers of security in Amazon's, you know, big server farms out in Virginia. Um, yeah, and then, you know, it's totally bank compliant, same security that the banks use. Uh, my co-founder used to build enterprise security at American Express, so we've got domain expertise in the space, uh, not just a couple guys going into it trying to hack some stuff together. You guys heard it. Birch Finance is helping us to take all of our credit card rewards, aggregating them together, and serving us up the best possible solution for us to maximize it, have some fun, enjoy things, get dinner, and uh, really take advantage of these points. We don't want them sitting in our, in our accounts and and messing up people's balance sheets. We wanted to be positive, you know, giving a positive influence on our lives. Where can people learn a little bit more about Birch Finance and maybe download the app? Yeah, absolutely. If you search for Birch in the app, sir, will come up as the first result, which is always fun in front of Birchbox, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then the, uh, you know, or you can just go to our website, birchfinance.com. If you don't have an iPhone or if you have an iPhone, you can sign up on the web as well. You'll get all the same functionality outside of using the card in real time because we can't do that on a laptop. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on creating a really exciting app that's going to uh, really help people out and maximizing their credit card rewards. And congratulations on your fintech victory last night. That must feel great. So congratulations, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I hope it's helpful to everyone who's using it. All the, all the uh, listeners, I hope everyone enjoys using the app. And we have a little chat bubble. So if there's feedback, definitely let us know. I sometimes respond to most of the support tickets still, but we're, we're there to help. Excellent, man. Thank you. I hope you like that fintech spotlight of Birch Finance. I like finding these cool apps, tools, and services that make your life easier. And I just want to share it with you. <laughs> oh, and I like when they're free, right? Birch Finance, free. So that's uh, I don't know about you guys, but free is absolutely my favorite price. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 72. 
In honor of International Women's Day coming up this week, and to honor all the incredible women in my life, we have an excellent lineup of female financial rock stars this month. Next week, Jamila Souffrant joins us to tell us how her family influenced her personal finance journey, including saving over $85,000 in one year. The week after that, we're going to have Michelle Schroeder Gardner join us and tell us how she developed an online business that netted her over $1.5 million in 2017 alone. And at the end of the month, I'm bringing back my good friend, personal finance expert and author, El Martinez, to talk to us about how we can craft the perfect money date with our spouse. There's some incredible stories and advice heading your way this month, everyone. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Jackie Joyner Kersey. It's better to look ahead and prepare than to look back and regret. That's a great way to start the week, everyone. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.